Good evening, everybody. It's good to be here. We're now live. We've got our little business portion over well. Excuse me? Yes, we'll discuss that later. I have a Bible study. We're going right into a Bible study now. I'll give you all an update with that at the end of this. Okay, if I can get this mic on correctly. We can be live here. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, I would like for us to pray for Brother uh, brother Amelia and Sister Vicky. They're homesick, both of them. And so we're going to ask the Lord to heal them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask now, Lord, touch Brother Amelia's body and Sister Vicky's body, your son and your daughter. Lord Jesus, speak from heaven. Speak the word, for your word is spirit, and bring healing to them. Lord, bring healing to our nation, for we all have sinned and come short of your glory, and we need healing no matter who we are. Our nation needs healing, and we need to turn back to you, O oh God. Help us to turn to you and your son, Jesus, and help those who proclaim the name of Jesus to be very vocal about who we are in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask now that you... Bless this time of fellowship as we look into your word. Help us to understand what it is that you're about to teach us as Paul is directing this letter to the Corinthian church. By your spirit, Lord, open our hearts to understand. Open our ears so we can hear what the spirit is saying to us, the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. A little short today. We're powerful. All right, so Paul, where is he at now? The whole thing in this letter is to get the Corinthians to stop serving false gods and not look back where they come from and to fix their eyes on Jesus. <coughs> that is the whole purpose of this, to know the one true God, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, and to know his son Jesus intimately and to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, understanding that God has given them gifts and God has called them, even at times, to make correction among themselves. And right now, Paul is being called out on whether or not he's actually a true apostle. Does that make any sense to any of you? that some of his contemporary, who really not his contemporary, who was trained in Jerusalem and now accusing Paul of not being a true apostle. As you walk this Christian walk, sometimes sometime people are going to accuse you of not being a true Christian. And so Paul is going to let the evidence speak for itself. And there was one Clinton that was actually bad-mouthing him. Does that happen in the 21st century church? Do people bad-mouth, does Christian bad-mouth other Christians? Yes. You betcha, all the time. And occasionally I find myself saying things I shouldn't say, and the Spirit beats me upside the head, and I have to repent of that foolishness. We can't be beating each other up. Man, the world is going to do enough of that to us. We definitely don't be, need to be wounding each other. However, in this situation, 
The Corinthians took control of the situation and they took care of business. And now Paul calling is being challenged. I'll go on the NIV side since one of ours got the NIV. I'll start out with that one. In verse 1, he said, I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness. What does he mean by that? I want you to put up with a little bit of my foolishness. What do you think he's trying to say here? Hmm? He's, he's teasing him. Like, oh, you're saying I'm foolish. Yeah, I, I guess in a sense, he's kind of like saying, okay, you want some bragging rights? All right. Look, look, look here. Let, let me kind of show you something. But you're already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealous. I promise you to to what? I promise you to one husband. What does he mean by that? I promise you to one husband. Why is he telling men and women, I promise you to one husband? Because he doesn't want to have five husbands. Ah. <laughs> We're known as the bride of... Uh, let's reel you back in the other direction. <laughs> She's so funny up here. Don't play. <laughs> it's all right. Um, we are considered the bride of Christ. Revelation chapter 19 says that we, as the bride of Christ, he said, blessed is he who's called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage feast of the Lamb. You know, whenever the bride and groom would get married in the old days, they would have a feast? Well, in Revelation 19, they call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. For his bride has made herself ready. Who's the bride? The church is. The church is. That means men and women, boys and girls, who have accepted him in our hearts. We are his bride. So what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, he said, I promise you to one man, other one God, one Savior, one Lord. Okay? Not these false gods. One God only. And his son Jesus. All right? So, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. There are kids in here. I won't get too deep into that. But other words, you can't play church with God. You can't play church with Jesus. And you cannot expect to tell Jesus that, Jesus, I commit my life to you. And you go out there and have an affair with the false God. Nothing else can have your object of worship. Nothing else can have you, your object of, of, of praise. You, you can't pre pick something else as your object of praise. Once you belong to Jesus, I've heard of Christians, one supposed black female minister left Christianity and went to Islam because she said Christianity, nothing was happening in it. No action, no power. So you go to a dead religion? There's power in the name of Jesus. Last time I heard in the name of 
that you can't cast out a demon and you can't raise the dead and you can't heal the sick in that name. But in the name of Jesus, you can. But not in the name of Islam or Allah. You can't do that. But in the name of Jesus, you can. Okay? And others have gone over to Buddhism. So called from Christianity. Because they were disappointed in us. Didn't Julia Roberts do that? Yes. I believe Julia Roberts did that. She's the one. She's the one that went to Buddhism. Uh, but she wasn't the only one. Many others have fled Jesus. But that only fulfills what Paul would later write in a letter to a young preacher named Timothy. He says in chapter 4, 1 Timothy, he says, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter days, many will depart from the faith. And they will go looking for seducing spirits. Other words, those false religions. Because they feel that they can give them something that Jesus can't. Okay, number one, can't no other religion give you life. And no other religion can lead you to the one true God who created all things, the heavens and the earth. Only Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, can lead you to God, his father. Amen. Period. And, as, and only the spirit of the living God in Jesus' name will work on your behalf. Well, but Jesus can perform miracles. Can Buddha or anything? No, they can't. They can't. So, he says, I have one husband for you. I promise you the one husband, that is to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. In other words, when you come to Jesus, there's no attachments. It's just you. Like you promise yourself to your spouse to be faithful to that one person. And so, that's what Paul is saying. He said, I took you as a pure bride to Jesus. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning or tricks, right? Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It's so much right now in our country that can pull us away from our calling, our love for Jesus, so much. It happened during the Corinthians day and Paul was warning them. Don't allow anything else to cause you to become unfaithful to God. Don't allow anything to distract you from giving your 100% to Lord Jesus, period. You stay the course, you hang in there. Don't worry about what your friends, are, well, you do worry about what they're doing to try to get them to come back if they've strayed away. But you remain faithful. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. When I sin against God, I do come, I fall on my face and say, Lord, I knew better. But yet I was stupid. But it don't mean, doesn't mean I don't love you. Because that's why you helped me come back to you now. 
because I do love you and I know you love me because if, if you didn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have never left, I mean, brought me back from that foolishness. You'd have left me out there to perish in it. But Jesus, you love me and you brought me back to repentance where I'm supposed to be. That's a true love relationship. I, I can't tell you the number of times over the last 35 years I've gotten on my wife's nerves. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, really bad. But she's still here. I can't tell you how many times she aggravated me. But I'm not going anywhere because I love her with all my heart. That's the God's truth. I really do. That's why I'm not, I haven't gone, and I thank God, to the bed of another woman. I can honestly stand here and tell you that I have not gone to the bed of another woman. Because God has been my helper and he's kept my heart where I know it needs to be. Okay? But without Jesus, I could have gone any, any direction. Even though that would have been an early grave for me. <laughs> okay? But I thank God if we give an earthly spouse this kind of What's a good word to use? Devotion, this kind of allegiance, this kind of loyalty. Should not God deserve that much more? The one who created us and sent his son to die for us. This is some powerful stuff he's telling these people. God brought you out of out of worship where you were on your way a one way ticket to the lake of fire but God intercepted you and pulled you out of that and put you in the kingdom of his son Jesus Arvey's done a good job keeping up with me today for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach you hear this if somebody come to you preaching another Jesus, another gospel, other than what he preaches, watch this, watch this. Or you receive a different spirit from the one you receive. What does that mean? That's not the spirit of God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That means that you are subject to other spirits out there when you fall under false doctrines and false beliefs. Okay? So be careful who's teaching you and the only way you can know for sure that you're getting the gospel, the pure gospel message, is that you open that Bible and you learn it. And you follow it closely. That is your safe proof. So, so if anyone else comes with the, you know, from... Anything different than the gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. It is, it, it, let me just hit on some areas that's really plaguing our country right now. Prosperity gospel is one of the biggest lies from hell. God don't want you poor. God wants you rich. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. You show me which one of the apostles became instant millionaires when they got saved. Show me. Tell me which one. Show me in the scriptures. 
On the day of Pentecost, which of the 120 became instant billionaires? Some of them have been better off than others. That, that is true. Peter, James, John, Andrews, they come from fishing families. Their families had fishing business, and they had servants working for them. So they tell us they, they were better off than what? Probably most people up in their area because they had a business. And then the shepherds. Shepherds were some among the poorest people there were. What about Jesus himself? He was a what? A poor carpenter. He came from all the riches there is. Yes, God did allow certain of his children to be rich. King David. Read First Chronicles chapter 29, where David lays out all the stuff he has gathered over the years to build God's house. And I'm going to tell you, we don't have enough money in this county to pay for that stuff today. It's literally trillions of dollars in gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and pearls and marble slabs and cedar you know, panels and things. You can't buy enough that with the money in this, uh, this county. That's how much that stuff cost. And I think the last time, Clinton, if you had your Bible, I, I know my Bible has in the back of it. If you look up the cost of one talent of gold, I think it's somewhere around $18 million for one talent of gold. And yet David had thousands of talents of gold given for the temple. That's a lot of money. So, you got people out there that's going to come and they, they're going to try and to influence you and persuade you to pay in a certain amount of money and then you can expect this much money back from God. I'm here to tell you what do yours say? It doesn't give the price. No. It tells what it is, the weight. But my Bible actually gives a price. The back it gives a price. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the issue here is be careful who teachings you fall under. Remember Jim Jones? You do you know what he promised his followers? He promised his followers something like a utopian environment community where everything would be like heaven on earth until they found the truth out about him then he killed them mm -hmm. murdered little children made them drink Kool-Aid he poisoned them and for the adults that didn't want to drink it they had the guns on them this really was a sad state they didn't, they'd run away, some of them, but they'd change that. United States Army cleaned up that mess. It was really bad. The, 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 what they call it, the, the uh, divinity compound in Waco with David Koresh? Another 
example of false teachings. People fall on false teaching. And then that nutcase down in Miami saying he's Jesus. <laughs> Read the scriptures. Okay? Anyway, I don't want to belabor that one anymore. Verse 5. But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. All right? What, what, why is that statement there? There were accusers who came down from Jerusalem said that Paul was not a true apostle because he had not been trained in Jerusalem. I hear people talk about, are you not a preacher? Are you not a true whatever it is in ministry if you don't have these credentials, if you hadn't gone to this school or to that school? And it's really a bunch of junk. Because you know who ordained people for ministry? God himself. Look at Paul's letters and he said, called to be an apostle by God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls you into ministry for his son Jesus. That's what Paul writes. Man's credentials mean nothing. Just so happened we live in a world where if you don't have pieces of paper from certain places, you can't go and do ministry in certain communities or certain churches. They don't want anything to do with you. Well, all the apostles had with the, was Jesus Christ calling them. Uh, um, Clinton, turn to John chapter 15 and look at 16, verse 16. I may have it wrong somewhere in there. Uh, would it be easy if we put it up here on the board? On the screen? I want to show you something. Go take the last column. Last column. Go to John. Chapter 15. And I'm thinking somewhere around verse 15 or 16, something like that. Come back up. Just click on there for a minute, RV. And then scroll back up to... Oh, slow down. What in the world did you do? You went too fast. Yes, I think we're in chapter 15. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for in a minute. Go, go on down. Cheryl, can you see or am I in your way? Oh, I can't see it anyway. I'm Let's see. No, it's 16. He's right. It's 16. I was right. 15, 16. Here's what it says. You did not choose me. This is Jesus talking. He's at the Last Supper, okay? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So who ordains us for ministry? Yeah. He does the calling, he does the equipping, and he does the sending out, and we go do the work. Not a man. That's all the way from God. So, but unfortunately, people love all these letters behind their name or in front of their names, don't they? Some of them can't even pronounce what they are, and some of them don't even have an idea. Anyway, I'm just going to get on a soapbox a minute. Is that okay? 
<laughs> go, oh, we feel you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Anyone knows where the title reverend come from? You should know this answer. Is it a biblical term? No. It is not. It came from like England. It came from England. Those who had earned a Master's of Divinity degree was given the title Reverend. It is a man made title. I don't like that. No. They were called elders, they were called apostles, they were called deacons, they were called ministers, they were called pastors, they were called evangelists, they were called teachers, they were called prophets, but not reverend. And certainly not doctor so-and-so. And I have them all. I don't want to be called but other than the one that the Lord says that I am. You can call me pastor, you can call me evangelist, because I'm both. You can call me teacher, because I'm also a teacher. But don't call me late for supper. <laughs> that was a little Sammy Nelson humor. Somebody got it. So funny. <laughs> ah, brother, let's go on. Let's finish this lesson. Verse 6, he said, I may not be a trained speaker. Oh, I hadn't been trained. You know, I may not be trained the way you want to. But I do have knowledge. Now, you remember the Lord did not raise Paul up with the other apostles. You know, had walked with him three and a half years. You know, trained with him, slept with him, traveled with him. Paul was called on the road to Damascus on his way to kill Christians, to have them arrested so they can stand trial and die. The Lord Jesus called them that day. Then he went down into Arabia, known today as Saudi Arabia, for three years, where the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, trained Paul. And the other apostles were wondering, how did this man learn so much? When he went and met with Peter them in Jerusalem, they did not question one iota, who are you? The scripture said they gave that man the right hand of fellowship. I mean, they welcomed him into the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that's why you see him write such thing. He said, I am the least of the apostles. One who was called or born out of season. In other words, I wasn't raised up with them. Jesus called me separately. So, when folks start doubting you, you tell them, take it up with the Lord. Yes, Deacon? So you got a problem with my calling? Take it up with Jesus. All right. So I may not be trained, a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? One of the accusations, bring that to the top. One of the reasons why Paul said, made this statement here, one of the accusations against him that he couldn't have been a true apostle because he didn't take money for ministry. 
It is perfectly legal to take money from ministry in the right context. Y'all do know that, right? But Paul here saying, just because I didn't charge you anything, you're going to say that I'm not an apostle? People, I had, I had, when I was in my doctoral studies, we were sitting in the classroom in New Orleans. That's where I went to school at. And, and one of the pastors said, hey, brother, how much you charge when you go on speaking engagement? I said, nothing. He said, you're making the rest of us look bad. He said, if I don't get at least $300, I'm not going. He's like, Mary, I'm thinking what Hillary Clinton does. But she ain't in the ministry, though. When she makes a speech. Yeah. So I, uh, I couldn't wrap my head around that one. I don't think Paul would have ever charged anybody. I think what he was clearly stating that it's okay to receive a salary for doing the Lord's work because you got to make a living. Okay? So, he said, I rob other churches by receiving support from them, so as to serve you. He was telling the Corinthians, look, I didn't even bother you all to help take care of me. <laughs> the, when you go and read the, the, the letter he wrote, and it's called First Thessalonians, to the people in Thessalonica, he said they gave him more support than anybody. Church in Philippi supported him. So there was other churches that he was getting support from without having to bother the people in current. And it's perfectly okay to ask people to help you with ministry. It is. Do I ever ask y'all to write me a paycheck? No. Does the ministry put gas in the van? Yes. Because five days a week I'm on the road getting stuff for this ministry. So, in that respect, yeah. Do I buy lunch for the, for, for the people in the ministry with the ministry card? Yes. Everybody here can attest to that. Yes. And it's perfectly legal. Verse 9, and when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia, that means to the north, supplied what I needed. That's Thessalonica. Okay? That's the northern part of Greece. That's like the city up on the north part. Philippi, up on the north part. Not the folks down in the south where Corinth and Athens were. Okay? So I didn't even bother you all. And sometimes when we, I need money for the ministry, I don't even let y'all know. Sometimes I pick up the phone and I call buddies in Christ, brothers in Christ, that's completely outside our area, and they send checks. I don't even let them know that we've been struggling. I know, I catch them out on the phone. <laughs> and here's up. And so... That's just the way it is. 
Um, so he said, I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and I will continue to do so. A lot of times you don't want to put people in a position to talk about you. Because one of the things they would have said, he in it for the money. Because mm -hmm. she's in it for the... Yeah, some, some, that may be true for some people. And I'm sure it is. But we definitely try not to let it be true for here. Because that been the case, y'all some poor people, y'all ain't given me anything. <laughs> I'm just joking. Y'all are rich in love, I'm telling you. Really are. And one thing that I love about this, 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 this family here, there is nothing that any of us don't have that the other one can't go and get and use. Cars, lawn tractors, you name it. Horse trailers, whatever we need. I can truly say, yeah, this family don't mind letting each other do what? Get it. Children. Children. Like Deacon Clinton had no idea where his wife was today. Boy, I'm putting that out on the air. Boy, that is just so crazy. <laughs> and so, what does the pastor do? I'm on my way to get you. <laughs> Boom, go and get him. That's what you do. We love each other, right, Arve? Even though we beat Arve up all the time, we still love him and make him spend his money on us. <laughs> no, that don't happen. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't happen. Folk, please, folks around the world, don't, don't believe that statement. It's just a little Sammy humor. Kind of dry, though, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Verse 10. Uh, New King James Version said, As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the region of Akisha. Akisha is another part of Greece. Just like the United States is broken down in the regions and territories. Greece was too. Akisha was just another part of Greece. Okay? They said, why? Because I do not love you. And he's, he's been a little facetious. Don't you think that he's kind of messing with him? He's poking him? He said, Basically, you don't think I love you? When he's really saying that, I what? I love you. Um, God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. You, you got some people out there, they're looking for the sole purpose to brag about what they do and to brag against you too. Okay? So Paul said, I'm not going to give them the opportunity to talk trash. I'm going to stop it right now. Bam! You got to cut foolishness like that off right in this track, right, right where it began at. Don't give the enemy the opportunity to talk trash. Shut them up quickly. Okay? All right, Arve. You going to reconcile it? All right. For such men are false apostles. There it is. They want to come and brag about how much they do and all this, and, and then they try to say that your work for the Lord is not authentic. It's not genuine. He said, such people like that, he said, they're false. They were false in Paul's day, and they're false today. Don't let people cause you to doubt your calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what God has called you to do, so go and what? Do it. Do it. And we talked about this in this ministry. 
It is our responsibility to equip you and send you out and let you go and do it without us restraining you. It's not our responsibility to try to hold you back. Our responsibility is to push you forward, get you on out there. Our job, you know what a jump master is in the United States Army? A jump master is the guy that have been through the, the, the master parachute training. He's not just a regular parachute, he's an army. And he's the guy that's standing at the door when you come doing what they call they have one shuffle with, with your, with your uh, rip cord, the little yellow cord that's hanging on the line. And he's gathering it as you and jump out that door, he grabs. But every now and then, you get a person to the door like, and he, <laughs> and down yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Oh, scared. That's what the jump master kind of help you along. Hey, see you later. Okay? And he, and the next guy, I mean, he's shuffling every second, guys out that door. I mean, they're gone. That one aircraft can drop 100 men just like that. I mean, they're gone. So he ain't got no time for you. Ooh! Nope. That's why you call nickname is Master Blasters. Okay? And then he's the last one out the door. He himself also jumps. First thing you do, open the door and look for the screamers. They're finding the point as the plane is circling. You come back around, green light. Oh, and the guys are going. Here you go. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Clinton, y'all need to know who these people are. You need to know if a person have a true calling of Christ in their life. One of the gifts of the Spirit is called a discerning of spirits. Do you know what that means? You're able to tell when demon spirits are at work because that's what they are. And they may have on a nice $2,000 Armani suits or they could be wearing a pair of coveralls. <coughs> okay? They come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. Believe me. And they can drive anywhere from a Rolls Royce to a Volkswagen or a horse and buggy. Depending on where you're at. <laughs> okay? And no wonder for Satan himself, what? And this is the part that which you have to get to your heart. What does it say in verse 14? Somebody read it out loud. No wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. People, that's a very powerful statement what Paul just told them. He said, if Satan can masquerade, change himself into what appeared to be an angel, like oh, well, an angel from God, like Gabriel and Michael. He said, if he can go and look like one of the holy angels of God, he also have those who appear to be ministers of righteousness. And you don't think they know this word? Oh, yeah. They know enough of the word, and they can turn to it, and it can sound good and beautiful. But their intent, the intent of their hearts, is not to get you to walk closer with Lord Jesus Christ. Their intent is for what one version, I think, Peter, Peter may have wrote, he called it filthy lucre. Do you know what that is? Filthy gain. In other words, they're, not, they're gaining money, but not in a legal way. 
And they do it through the sole purpose of deceiving God's people. And they're making millions off of the backs of God's children. And I, and I often say, wait a minute now. Is this guy or gal saying, come on, put this in the plate and the Lord will bless you? Ask him, say, okay, stop. You give me the money at the plate. See, God bless you. How come you're the only one that's riding around in the fancy car and living in the big house and got the big bank account and the rest of it, it hadn't happened to us yet? I think there's a lot to question about that. But see, people are deceived because the message that they're preaching, it sounds so good and so powerful. And, it will, and people are clapping, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying God can't bless his people. That's not what I'm saying. But be careful about people who come and that's what they want. Okay? So Satan, it says, be, don't, so don't be surprised. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness. That word servant is probably in the Greek as minister. Okay? The word is translated as minister. Let me see in verse 6, 15. Yeah, it is minister. Ministers of righteousness. These are the Greek words right here. Ministers of, ministers of righteousness. Okay? And therein, tell us, in, that means the final, final say-so, when they stand before God. Okay? Therein will be what their action deserve. Okay? And here they got ergo, which is properly translated instead of action, ergo is work. Where we get the word ergonomics from? Works. So, on the day of judgment... Lord Jesus got a reward for him and it's not favorable okay y'all tired yeah he tired we're just about finished scroll on up Arve put 16 to the top so you're going to have people that's going to have a fantastic talk they're going to have a good talk and they're going to get followers. They're going to line up. Because remember what Paul said now in two different letters to Timothy. In both of those letters, he said in the latter days, there are going to be some who are going to lead the church. And they're going to be looking for these people to give them, you know, what they want to hear. He said they're going to have itching ears. They will not give heed to sound doctrine. Otherwise, they're going to walk away from this. And they're going to want people to tell them what they want to hear. Yep. And going to tell, tell them that, they, that their sins are justified in the, case, in the sense that God loves them. And that God's grace is not going to allow God to send them to hell. Okay? So giving them, it's not just prosperity gospel, but the wrong gospel of telling people that God's not going to get you for your sins. Because God loves everyone. And it's okay for you to be the way you are. Uh-uh. 
I do believe God has something to say about this. If you don't believe me, hey, young fellow, can you take the last column to Ezekiel chapter 33? You'll find it in chapter 3 also of Ezekiel, but I want to I want to show you something in particular in chapter 33. Won't you watch this? Well, no, all the way up, all the way up, buddy. You got to go up. Slow down. He's going to Ezekiel, chapter 33. No, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is before the book of Daniel. You know, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Okay, the prophet Ezekiel. Listen to what God says to them. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land, that means judgment, right? When I bring the sword, judgment upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. In other words, somebody's responsible for them. Okay, who's going to look out for them? In modern day times, in the church, we call them what? Pastors. We call them pastors today. A watchman. One who's going to be looking out for you. Okay? When he sees the sword coming, in this case, this would have been like a soldier who stands up on the wall and he's looking out there and see if any enemies are coming. So in this case, what he says... When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, this is, this is the man, either in a tower or on a, upon a wall, and he's looking. They didn't have binoculars in those days, so as far as his good eyes could see, if he see an opposing army, he sounds the alarm, blows the trumpet to warn the people, hey, there's an opposing army coming. Okay? So there's danger headed to the city. And that the other soldiers got to gather their weapons and get ready to what? Defend the city. This is the image he's given. So he blows the trumpet and warns the people. Then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning. If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He was warned. And he didn't get ready to defend himself and his family. And he got killed in the battle because, you know, the enemy came and took him out. Modern day times, let's, let's give it a little bit easier understanding. Kansas. The, 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 the alarm on the radio goes off or the siren in the city goes off in Kansas. What does that tell you coming? A tornado. Tornado warning. That means it's on the what? On the way. It's on the ground. No, tornado warning is it's on the ground. So the safest place for you is where? Underground. Underground or in a steel fortified shelter somewhere. Okay? But most part, I think in Kansas, they're underground, right? Mm -hmm. Get your butt in that shelter. 
But if you say, oh, I got some time, I can still hang out and drink my beer and party just a few more seconds, and all of a sudden the tornado's, and you're gone. We usually just stood out on the front porch, though. Okay, you, you was a, you didn't take heed, it's just a blessing you hear. See, I told you God's done great in your lives. You sat out on a porch. Yeah. And watched them. Oh, you send the kids to the basement. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> wisdom sometimes escapes certain people. <laughs> uh, anyway, but if you to die, what he's saying, it's your own fault. Yeah. Because you got the warning. Right. Now he's going to turn this into a spiritual aspect. Okay? Put five to the top. First five. All right, bring, bring, bring verse 5. And don't hit that box over there because you put everything to Ezekiel. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon his, on himself. But he who takes warning will do what? Save his life. Okay? That's the purpose of warning uh, systems. Early warning system. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. What does that mean? Okay, the warning came. You know, the watchman, he's up on that tower or up on that wall, and you see this opposing army coming. And he failed to blow the trumpet to warn the people. And that army comes into the, to the town or the village, and he killed people. And let's say the person that he killed was a sinner, did not, had not repented of his sin. God said that person, yeah, died in his sin, but his life I would require at the watchman's hand because the watchman didn't warn him to prepare himself against the danger. Okay? God is, God is building you up here for a moment. He's telling you something. What do you think he's telling you all right now in this story? Because he, he said it twice here. To be responsible. To be responsible for what? For not blowing the trumpet. <laughs> what does it mean, blowing the trumpet? To warn the people. Okay. In a spiritual aspect, what does it mean? It's your job to go and tell people the word. It's our job to go and tell people that okay. Jesus is But the only way to avoid that day of judgment and be sent to the lake of fire is by accepting God's son, Jesus. There's a lot of ministries out here don't want you telling people that. They say, oh, the people know they're uh, doing wrong. They don't need you cramming their sins down their throat. And that's exactly what they need. They need to know that they're sinners. They need to know that God is going to judge them someday by his son, Jesus. And if they don't belong to him, if they have not been washed in his blood, guess what's going to happen on that day? And if we, God's children, are not out there telling people to come, especially me, I'm very guilty of this, then it's going to be my fault, God says, because I didn't warn those people. I know you do. I had a friend of mine in Germany. I used to tell him all the time, I said, Jordan, your mom is a minister. 
Why are you living like you're living? You need to give your life to Jesus. Well, when I go and party one more time and when I get enough of you know what, he said, then I may slow down. So we came back, we bought our house at Fort Stewart in Hinesville, and then I got a letter from one of my supervisors, former supervisors, and I stood there, my wife was in the den. We remember the wall that divided the den and the kitchen? You could look over it and see each other. And I was standing there and I was reading this letter and I said, oh my God. And my wife said, what? I said, Jordan is dead. She said, what? The same man that I've been telling to get things right. You want to know how he died? The one who said he got enough time and he wanted to party more? He was in an area called Frida Wall Training Area. On maneuvers. Went and laid down in his tent. Fell asleep. And someone threw a smoke grenade and they kicked it in his tent. And he breathed in the smoke and it crystallized his lungs. So he died in his own what, Shelly? He died in his own fluids. Yeah, a freak accident. From a freak accident. But he had time, according to him. But his blood is not on my hands because I warned him. And in that letter was a newspaper article, Soldier Dies in Freak Accident. Staff Sergeant so-and-so Jordan. And I go, oh my goodness. My Lord, I felt bad for a long time over that. And then another time, we're sitting in church at Fort Jackson in the chapel. <coughs> and then someone, somebody stood up and said, can we pray for uh, this soldier that worked at CID named, we think his name is Murphy. He died Saturday night in a car wreck. And they're going, and they had the first name wrong. So I'm sitting there thinking, no, that can't be Murphy. Murphy used to be my supply clerk when I was a first sergeant. And he loved my wife. Oh, he was just as silly as he could be. But he loved, he always sang and danced. Murphy was just fun to be around. But I used to get on Murphy. When I used to go through the rooms, the barracks, inspect their rooms, and I would find big old gallon bottles of liquor and stuff. In Murphy's room, and I turned to him. I said, "Murphy, I thought you gave you told me you gave your life to Jesus. I did, first sergeant." I said, "What's all of this then?" Ah, oh, you know how it is. No, 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 no. I don't know how it is, Murphy, because when I gave my life to Jesus, He dried all that up. And so uh, he said, "I am." He said, "I'm straight, first sergeant." Guess what he was when he died? Drunk. He was drunk. He had one of our sergeants in his car with him. And another soldier had just dropped that other soldier off. Come under on the pair, overpass Interstate 77 by Gardner Ferry Road, over 90 miles an hour, flipped his car. One wearing his seatbelt and had a sunroof. And it, as the car was flipping, it thrust him up through the sunroof. And. And they said when they went to his autopsy, his head, and Murphy was not a big guy. He was skinny, like uh, Marquise. He said his head was so big, couldn't even recognize him. And he was a twin from Texas. He shipped his body home. When I went to CID and found out it was actually Andre Murphy, that hit, that was very close. He was like a son to me. And, uh, 
He loved my wife. Him, you remember Sneed too? Him and Sneed was always together. Just as silly as they could be. And they loved, I'm in Nelson, Miss Nelson. And they, they were good boys. They were good soldiers. But just had the wrong spirit about them. Yep. Listen to the wrong voices. And things like that bother me. That's what this is saying. That if we don't take the time to warn our friends and tell them. I've told so many of them next door. I say, you tell me you love Jesus, but you won't go to church. You're shacking up. You won't get married. And some of you are already pregnant with, with babies and you're not even married. You're not showing any signs that you belong to him, but you say you love him. But you're not showing any signs. You need to come out of this. So I did find out one couple, they got married, they work at the bar, and they're slowly coming. They said they're going to leave that. And they're back, they're in church now. So the Lord is working on them. You know who they are. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll move this on up. Because y'all really need to hear this chapter. I'm, I'm going to read it real, really fast. So, verse 7, put verse 7 up to the top. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word. You shall hear a word from my mouth. And warn them for who? For me. Did you see that, Deacon Clinton? Did you see that in your Bible? Cheryl, could you read it if he gave it to you up close? Oh, yeah. It says here in verse 7, So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. In other words, it is Ezekiel's responsibility to warn Israel to turn back to God. Okay, and not stray away from him. For the house of Israel, therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. God said, when I send warning that I'm about to bring judgment on the house of Israel, he said, you need to tell them. The same thing today. God has left a warning for us. Where is it at? And we're supposed to do what? Tell the church, look, you need to stay right with Lord Jesus. You need to keep yourself right. Get saved. All right? When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity or his sin, but his blood I will require at your hand. Did y'all hear that? I need to read that again. Let me read it again. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his, his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity or sin, but his blood I will require at your hand. God said he's going to get the wicked. There used to be a billboard right down by Santa Fe High School that used to say God is not angry with you. Do you remember, y'all remember seeing that billboard? used to say, God is not angry with you. You want to beg to differ? What did that just say? 
God said, if I send a warning, he said, I'm going to get the wicked. And he's going to die in a sin. But you got a warning. Oh, well, God has given everybody the fair chance to repent. To come to him by coming to his son, Jesus. So, verse 9, nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So none of us here now have an excuse not to tell somebody to come to Jesus. We all know that we have to tell them. I know y'all sleepy. We all know we have to tell them. Yeah. Okay. Are they put 10 up and we'll just go a little bit further and then we'll go home. This is a little sidebar teaching. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgressions, which is another word for what? Sin? And, and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we then live? How can anyone live in sin and not die from them? God's saying. And this word, this word die here does not mean just a physical death. It means eternally separated from God. Okay? Say to them, as I live, and this is the, this is the verse I love, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. This is what one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Say to them, as I live, this is God talking now. Says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't get satisfaction when people die and go to hell. He doesn't like that. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. And then he uses the language again. The word turn here is another word for repent. Okay? Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Sound like me, like a loving father, isn't it? Loving God that he is. He doesn't want any man to perish. So we can shut it down. Hit the light, somebody. That's why God sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is the whole purpose of Lord Jesus coming. Lord, forgive me. It's my grandson just bust out laughing, and I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, please remember what God has given you. It's a powerful chapter, Deacon, to learn. When people think that they, they, they won't stand in judgment, Cheryl, show them that one. That one is specifically for those who just live in sin. Chapter 3 
talks about the man who lived righteously and then decided to go into sin. So you got one chapter covering those who just living in sin, still got to warn them. And then those who were living righteously and then decided to go into sin, still got to warn them both ways. Okay. All right. Then Clinton closes in prayer. For the only way to God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your warnings um, for the way you warn us and teach us how to live. Um, we pray that you be with everybody that wasn't here tonight and with us as we leave here tonight. Amen. Awesome. To God be the glory.